two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today because today I am joined by someone I recently met, and I was blown away by all of his knowledge in the health space, everywhere from pain to COVID, a lot of the subjects that we're talking about right now. So I wanted to make sure that he could come on and talk to you as well. I invited him here so that we could learn more. Welcome, the medical director at the University of Wisconsin's Pain Clinic, Dr. Ala Abd Al-Sayed. I want to make sure I know I'm I'm probably not saying that perfectly right. You did it actually perfectly right. So thanks for having <laughs> me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, so we met at a meeting out in Austin and you were talking to me about not only pain, but a lot of the stuff that is happening in or was happening in the COVID space. And I think that we still all have a lot of questions about COVID. Obviously, we see it every single day on the news, whether or not we're going to hold China accountable for this. So that is a a political question. But behind the scenes, if you could just give us a little kind of update of or information about what you saw, because I know you said that you saw things that you just thought weren't weren't exactly the way they should have been in the medical community. Yes. uh, And again, thanks for having me. And it's been uh, great to meet with you and uh, get to connect uh, and, and thanks for having me on the podcast, because it's very important to uh, have those media outlets to start talking to people more about science and uh, what we see in the medical field, because uh, we've been all as physicians watching uh, TV and listening to our uh, politicians, which I respect so much. Uh, but then talking about things that we thought are, um, you know, inaccurate, missing some information mm-hmm. or not showing the two sides of the story. And I'll take an example. Uh, overall, in science and in the medical field, there are a lot of things we do. Uh, that um, I didn't see happen in uh, with COVID or with the political um, controversial topics around healthcare, 
which made me always wonder why we're going uh, yes or no, while the answer is, is almost never yes or no. And I'll speak about mm -hmm. COVID. COVID, for example, it was, uh, it was uh, one direct direction we're taking when we speak about the origin. Uh, it's one thing. We, uh, everybody was led in one thing. We didn't keep the options at one point to open. It could be this, it could be this, or it could be that, um, or what's happening. When we spoke about the vaccine, I mean, the vaccine was uh, important. People were dying all around. But then uh, as we spoke about the benefits of the vaccine, we never spoke about the side effects of the vaccine. And again, I'm not talking here being a pro or anti-vaccine or anything. I got vaccinated myself. But the people need to make a, a, a decision based on information. Well, that, that I think, I mean, honestly, it's something that we talk about in our office all the time because we all feel like we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of information, but we were forced into it. And now that you see some of these things coming out, there's a lot of fear over, you know, what did I do? What do I have in my body? What could this mean? Can you give us any clarity on that now? Yeah, so vaccines have side effects. All vaccines have side effects, and the COVID vaccine has side effects. And I think what's happening is we're just not talking about uh, side effects overall. Uh, we're just talking about uh, do it. It will help you. You will not die. And it, you know what? It's it. It could be it. It could be uh, it's a risk benefit decision. Uh, but people need to understand also what uh, what are the side effects of the vaccine. And again, it's well, and not what uncommon. are the risks to certain people? I think because maybe I would have made a different decision if my I had really been clear on my risks not being that great. And I, I it seems as though a healthy forty five year old person is probably not at as high a risk of dying from COVID. But now we've, we've seen some of these folks that have had strange things like heart attacks and blood clots. And I think we're all wondering, are those connected to the vaccine? You are absolutely correct. So um, when the, cam when the uh, vaccine came out, and now we have more data on the vaccine, uh, definitely we need to study those side effects more. But uh, the vaccine can initiate uh, autoimmune responses, including autoimmune diseases, which in line of everything you mentioned and more. But we don't have data, uh, which is a problem, because when we don't have data, people start making assumptions. Uh, we start, we yes. don't know, because we don't know, uh, which can go good or bad. That's why we need uh, solid information about uh, what can, the, the benefits of the vaccine and the side effects of the vaccine. And as you mentioned, people need to make the decision about, uh, do I really, maybe, maybe I'm not a high risk of the vaccine, I'm fine, I'm healthy. I, uh, it's, a, it's a personal choice. Uh, or maybe, you know, there is some uh, patients with respiratory disease, immunocompromised, will die if they take the vaccine. So I'll take the risk and take the vaccine. But unfortunately, but it wasn't the, really a yeah. personal choice for a lot of people. A lot of us had to say for our jobs, yes, we'll do this. I mean, have you ever seen anything like this in medicine before? No, I don't recall. There are always um, ways to sign waivers or like your personal mm -hmm. responsibility not to uh, to take a vaccine. Uh, so again, but, but that's what we're seeing now, and that's what I'm researching myself right now with my team. We're trying to look literature uh, because people need to understand the risks and benefits and make the decision that suits them. Uh, and again, in a way that doesn't, of course, harm the, the public, uh, the public health. But in many jobs, people were sitting home working on computer. I, I thought they could make the decision uh, because they are not harming others. I think some of the claim was like, if you don't take the vaccine, you might infect others. Uh, and stuff. Another point here, we didn't know people got the vaccine and they got infected too. Uh, so there's a lot yeah. of questions and scientific facts that um, I, f I just feel we need to study more. We need to be transparent, publish what we have, uh, and uh, make people understand what are the benefits and risks and make a decision. Is that information readily available? I think there's a lot of confusion from 
someone like myself who's outside of the medical community, we know that when these were approved, that there was really no, there was immunity for all of these pharmaceutical companies. That if you were to go back and say this harmed me, they were really immune to any side effects that it had. So are they also, do they also not have to provide what the data is that they've found? Or is that readily available to folks like you who might say, okay, wait, I want to do some research on this and figure out exactly whether or not some of these young people who are just, you know, you see these died suddenly websites and, and you don't know whether this is mass hysteria and it's just coming up with people who you would have never known about or if we really should be worried. So I just kind of feel like we need someone to tell us whether or not we should be freaking out or say, okay, maybe this is not as bad as we think. Uh, exactly. So all the questions you mentioned is questions we have, uh, you know, it could be a great vaccine. It could be beautiful. But we don't know. So we don't do have we don't have access to uh, any of this data other than we're going to search in the literature, see what people published about uh, risks and benefits of the vaccine. And, uh, you know, make uh, again, make just what we can find in literature. But we don't have access to the company's data, which is something probably is that normal. Uh, no, it's not normal. Everything should be disclosed. It's public data. It's public vaccine and everything should be disclosed. Why can they get away with that? Uh, you probably know better than me. So I don't know why, like, uh, this scary. has to be, uh, and again, it's fine. The vaccine came at the time people were dying and stuff. So, that, you know, you could, you could look back and say that totally was the right decision, but people need to disclose the data and show, particularly this is now becoming an annual vaccine. So people need to look into data, uh, into not only this vaccine, but all other vaccines, look into what is the risk and the benefit and have people make uh, their choice in a way that it will not uh, harm the public safety or colleagues at work or anything. So from your medical perspective, do you think that this should be mandated in schools? Should young children be taking this vaccine? Uh, no, I don't think anything should be mandated uh, unless, uh, again, like I, uh, again, in my family, my son was uh, below the age of uh, vaccination. And when the research came out, it was inconclusive to his age and he never got in the vaccine. Uh, because uh, I'm, I'm a physician, I like to look at science and the data and see uh, how can I, you know, make a, make a, the appropriate decision. Uh, and that's, that's how we all should do this. But it's hard to make decisions without knowing, uh, the, again, the risk and benefit. And I can assure you, if you show the risk and benefit, I, I'm sure there are people still need the vaccine, but maybe some others will decide I don't need it that much and I'll take the risk. Uh, so it will be a personal decision. It's surprising to me that we don't have more people coming out and saying, well, we're demanding now that we've had a few years of this vaccine out there, we're demanding that the data be publicly available. Do you think that it's because folks that know that it's not publicly available are also afraid that they will not be given the right to research that they'll be they'll be stopped? Or is it just that people just don't really understand that that research is that data is not available? Uh, you know, I'm puzzled myself by this same question, because uh, I don't know why, why the data is not disclosed. It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's science. And again, when it came, it was a first, uh, even if the data is bad, I don't think uh, many people will blame it. We didn't know then what we know now. But given now we have years of, uh, of data, it definitely should be disclosed. And again, if it's um, if it's in favor, why not? So actually, this is happening in the medical field at all levels. All companies are disclosing their databases and having people have access. Like I'm an investigator on other uh, research, for example, and I do have access to data. Uh, and again, if it's good or bad, it's science. We can't just, that's science. It can go good or bad. It can be uh, risk or benefit. I mean, many medications before came to the market and it was withdrawn after years. 
because they found uh, the, that they don't do what they what they do. And uh, I wanted to tell you from the scientific perspective, when you start a research, you do you do your due diligence and you come up with a product, not to harm people, but data shows it's a good product. But then you do what's called the post-market analysis, which should be done for all products. Uh, so the post-market analysis, after launching the product in public, we do the post-market analysis and look at it. And if it's good, we continue. If it's bad, we withdraw it. That's a, a routine process that we do in all kinds of products. So it, it should be implicated for all, for the vaccine and other vaccines and anything else we use to make sure that the post-market data uh, supported the initial uh, studies that led to launch into the market. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's interesting. It makes us feel a little bit like, what did they find that they don't want to show? But I also think that maybe they are afraid that if there's any negative that comes out, I mean, this was mandated. We've never really seen this before. It was mandated before those studies were able to be done. So maybe there is some, some I don't know, committee or group that has decided 
it's in the best interest of the government and pharmaceutical companies for us to not allow this data to come out right now. Because, I mean, even if I think that right now, the way the country is, even if there was a little bit to be concerned about, because as you said, the science is the science. If it comes out bad, it comes out bad. But if it comes out bad, so many people will really, I mean, there could be mass hysteria over that. Uh, you know, it, um, it can be, and everything you mentioned is exactly correct because we don't know uh, if we don't know, we don't know. So we we're just chatting here because we don't know. And everybody in, in the medical field and the public doesn't know as well. But this, uh, the routine process for anything is that we look at post-market analysis. We look at the data. And sometimes it's bad. It's fine. I have done clinical trials before where the results are negative. It's okay. That's why we do them. So these blood clots that people have been talking about, is this something that seems unusual? I mean, we even had a young child at our school, 15 years old, suddenly pass from a blood clot, a healthy young person who was in sports. And I think that when that happens so close to home, but then we're seeing all these other stories of, you know, 30-year-old, 25-year-old on the football field, all these young people who are either having strokes or heart attacks, blood clots, dying suddenly. Do you think that this is an odd number of blood clot type situations after in these young people? You know, I'll be able to answer this question for you precisely, hopefully, in the next maybe two weeks, because about we are about to conclude our research that we did on literature um, on on that topic. Uh, but the the thing is, uh, the numbers, um, I mean, they look to be higher, but we're looking statistically if they were really actually higher than previous years. We think they are. And we're trying to look into uh, multiple, uh, I, we're trying to look into the factors that could lead to uh, that, uh, uh, that kind of outcome. Uh, so far, the research we've been reading is inconclusive, but there is something we need to consider that uh, what can happen in the previous few years. Could it be the vaccine? Could it be COVID infections? Could it be stress? Could it be uh, because there have been happening and since 2020, the world is not the same anymore. Uh, and that's the... Imp- Gosh, that's it. I mean, that's true. Yeah. The, the amount of stress that we are under. And I guess we... I don't think that we've considered how much that changes your body. I mean, we were just talking about this over the weekend at church. Our pastor was saying you have to understand that anxiety can be created from an illness or it can create an illness. And so how much how much have you seen the impact on people's mental health affecting their physical health in the past two years because COVID was just a shock to everyone. You know, it's beyond what you think. I mean, uh, we're, we're looking at the numbers, but I'm definitely even observing it on, on my day-to-day basis. And, and, and I mean, it's like beyond what you think. And I want to tell you, it's not only the anxiety. People went into depression and anxiety, and uh, which definitely cause physical illness. So, for example, if people in severe pain or anxiety, their heart rate will increase, will work more, will require more blood. They can get cardiac arrests their blood pressure will go higher. So mentally and physically, what happened in 2020 is definitely a dramatic change. And unfortunately, um, uh, the, the number of people who couldn't cope with it are more than I thought. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, I think we all were working, we all went in the same stress, but a lot of people didn't come out the same. And they continue to suffer the consequences mentally and physically, which is something we need to focus on to correct what happened uh, to people since 2020. I think that we also thought, well, kids aren't, this is all they know. It's not, you know, it's not going to affect them. But uh, we saw tremendous differences in our kids just from being trapped at home. I was talking to a mom the other day of one of my daughter's friends, and they're all 
14, 15, 16 year old kids. And she said, during the pandemic, you know, I felt so bad because they were trapped in the house and I was not on them about exercise and going out. And I just didn't really think about it. And she said, we ended up having a massive weight gain with our kids in our house. And I think that's been something that we haven't considered either. We were all very stagnant. We all just sat and we, and I think back to that time in Michigan, my kids really weren't in the, in the neighborhood. They weren't supposed to go outside because they could run into other children. And there was a long period of time where kids just didn't get to be kids. What are the health impacts at such a young age of things like weight gain? I mean, we hear weight gain can be so hard on adults, but we're, we're seeing that in kids. Uh, again, uh, very important point in kids. And again, because I have kids, so I'm very passionate about what you just said. So my son, when the pandemic happened, was three years old and he all of a sudden wearing a mask at three years old uh, as a kid mm. who's learning to write, speak, uh, interact with other uh, students. I, I kind of remember one day he came to me like, uh, and my, he gave me a hug and tell me, daddy, I don't have any friends, uh, which broke my heart because he was not going to school. And uh, we, we started getting him out some pictures of his friends to remember. And uh, so it was devastating. Mm. And uh, the problem is if people didn't pay attention. So here is the deal. When stress happens overall, which I mean, the pandemic was unprecedented to us and on our kids. If you're not really cautious how to cope with it, I can assure you anybody who doesn't know how to cope with this will go into a huge psychiatric problem, whether an adult or a kid. Uh, so we have to be very aware of our mental health and seek help immediately. If anybody or their kids having a problem, it's not a stigma. It's not a shame. Please go seek help because it's a, it's a very slippery slope. You can get the help. You can get back on track. And uh, if you let it slide, it will develop into severe mental illness, which eventually, I mean, if we're not doing well, our kids probably will not do well as well. We need to all be aware of our mental health and seek help for our kids if they need it. Uh, coping obviously was not easy for many people, but it's not too late to seek help and just get out of the stigma of seeking psych help. That actually leads in nicely to talking about chronic pain, because that can lead to depression as well. And that you work at the pain clinic. I know you've done a lot to treat pain with something outside of opioids. We have a crisis across this country. So I think when you when you add in depression, chronic pain, and opioids, you end up with a different type of epidemic. And it seems as though we have had a drug epidemic across this country. Really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. People are getting pulled into this opioid epidemic across the lines of the country. But you've come up with some ideas to do something different. What motivated you to do that? And, and how have you helped other people get out of this opioid epidemic? Another, another great topic. Uh, thank you for bringing this up. Yes. So I, ca I came to Wisconsin in 2014. And uh, I was uh, privileged one year after to join the state board. And we did the, all the policies around opioids. So number one, when it comes to uh, uh, opioids and pain, overall, when you have pain, people tend to not to move. So I, would, I, would, I want you to think of this nice seven-year-old patient, whether male or female, severe knee pain, they start sitting more, not walking, not uh, walking their mm -hmm. dogs, not visiting their kids. They start gaining weight, eat more. You know how you sit on TV, popcorn, and start gaining weight. And then the, you put more weight on the knee, it gets worse. And then you're not visiting your family. You start developing, be depressed, anxious. You start blaming them for not visiting you. And the family dilemma and the social problem create depression and stress. You go to your physician asking for opioids. Uh, and it will be unfortunate if they treat this with opioids because you take opioids, 
you become more sleepy, you gain more weight, you become an addict. And all of a sudden, it went from some knee pain to now psycho problem, weight gain, more pain, lack of social life. And actually, we, we have seen patients who committed suicide immediately due to this. Uh, and that's not how we practice here. We've seen them in other practices. How, how we do it here is we try to do everything other than opioids. And there are many, many other medications, procedures, interventions. We do whatever it takes to avoid the use of opioids because we know opioids is just uh, the way uh, the body will get used of them. Uh, they will develop craving. It's a physiological process. It has nothing to do. I mean, some people are more vulnerable than others. And we mentioned some people are not cautious about developing the, the craving. Some others will be and will stop but most people are not aware. So it's a physiological process. And I keep telling the patient, no matter how strong you are, it's your body will crop fair, it is not you. It's a physiological process. You take it, you want more, it's drugs. Uh, you can't say I'm gonna use heroin for the next month and I'll be fine. I will control. No, you will not control it. It doesn't change your brain, it doesn't change your needs. And you will keep asking for heroin. So that's why don't just start it because it will lead to this. Of course, you are appropriate for certain patient, but uh, it's not appropriate for many patients that take them nowadays. We looked also into data. We found that the U.S. is probably the highest worldwide consumer of opioids. So it can't be the only. We really? are the highest consumer. Some, in some medication, we consume oh, wow. 80% of the world medication in certain types. So, and we're publishing wow. on this data now because people need to understand. And I, I, again, I like to speak science. I speak to my patients. I tell them the whole world is managing it without opioids. If you go to other countries, getting opioids is close to impossible. And they treat their pain fine. They do fine. They do other things. So we... That is, but you know, I will say it seems as though it changed over the mm -hmm. past few years because I was diagnosed with cancer in 2015 and I had my surgery in October of that year. And I came home with bottles of opioids that I was never going to never, and I never did end up using them. And I had, and then my second, so then I had to go back for a second surgery and I came home with a smaller bottle. And then I ended up having a third surgery that was the exact same as the second. And they sent me home with Advil. And this was in 2019. So it seems as though there were some changes even in the medical system over that three to four year period. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, sorry to hear you had those surgeries and cancer. I had no idea. Uh, so you've gone through a lot and surgeries and probably you're, you're, you're familiar with how pain can be and how it can be managed. And everything you mentioned is very accurate because over the years, definitely we started uh, flashing the light on this and the public health problem, and it has improved. For, for example, the national surveys found that about uh, 65, again, years ago, 65% of patients who get an opioid prescription after a surgery, they don't actually use it. They don't need it. So yeah. we started developing algorithms about which surgeries, maybe big surgeries, you need opioids, the others take ibuprofen, Tylenol, or we started saying, oh, give only three days if you need more, take more. So definitely what you say is absolutely appropriate and, and, and really accurate about uh, we shifted from, because when you have the bottle sitting at home, you wonder what's happening to that bottle. Kids are having reached to it, adults. Uh, then people develop pain after a year and start self-medicate, and it all leads to what we talk about now. So it has definitely improved, but we need to do more work because uh, I feel the pandemic, unfortunately, it was a lockdown. People got back on opioids because it, you couldn't go to a surgical center. You couldn't get an injection. You couldn't get many other services. Usually, you need to go outside the home to get. So we have seen another rise. We have seen say, fentanyl, which is another huge problem, like uh, coming to us from other uh, countries, which is now probably the major health problem. Still an opioid, but people have uh, reached to it illegally. Uh, but so the problem continue to exist. It has improved, but we need to continue to do some work. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast.
Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them, sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is, quote, worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think that younger kids now are learning about the dangers of drugs in school. And my daughters heard someone on the news the other night say something about some medical professional talking about using fentanyl in the hospital. And they were like, how could they possibly? I think it's interesting to me because they understand how dangerous it is. They don't understand that it actually can be used in very small doses in the, in a medical setting. How do you think that this epidemic that we've seen is affecting young kids? Because I remember when I was young, it was the whole you know, war on drugs. And we were involved in these different committees at school to talk about it. And we really talked about it quite a bit in middle and high school. And I, I seem to, it seemed as though for an entire generation that stopped. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, education is a, is a whole another public health problems, in my opinion, because we started talking in, high, in schools about things we shouldn't be talking about. And we started to be more disorganized. Like you mentioned, there should, there should be some forums of scientific discussions for kids to learn about what's going on. 
uh, unfortunately, the resource became the TV, and you know, the TV. It's uh, they talk what they want to talk to serve certain, uh, I don't know, political or certain uh, personal mm-hmm. uh, beliefs, uh, ignoring science to to big parts. That I, I myself stopped even looking into the the, the news media anymore because um, the, the, it has to be more done again based on science, based on literature. Even when I uh, talk to my kids and I'll, I'll bring up the computer, I'll bring, bring them an article that's uh, uh, respectable, uh, makes sense to read. We can just have our um, information from others, people's opinions. This is completely wrong. And again, we need to look at data, we need to look at literature, and we need to have the appropriate forum scientifically to teach people. And I worry so much about the generations growing up not thinking this way because we see the randomness that can happen and the uh, brainwash that can happen if, if we don't teach people, go to a, a resource to learn about things. Yeah. Again, we need to turn our kids, go to a resource. They come to ask me something. I'll tell them, you know what? Uh, just let us uh, go on Sunday, ask our priest about this religious question. Uh, if I don't know, you know, the, we need to have good resources scientific based from people who know what they're talking about. You actually are one of those. I know that you have put stuff out on social media. And I think this is interesting because a lot of young people don't know. Young people are experiencing pain now, I would say, in higher levels than when I was young. We have fibromyalgia. People are talking about these things now. Uh, You've got sports injuries. I know a lot of a lot of males, especially when they have a sports injury, are less likely to want to talk about it because they don't want to look like they're in pain. But these things exist. And I think normalizing it, having a doctor out there talking about it helps to give them a safe space to at least hear and then process that and maybe talk to a parent or a a coach at school or something. So where can people find that? Because I know you're out there. I know you're trying to help folks. So where do they find you? Oh, thank you. So first of all, you know, I started teaching on, on uh, TikTok, on Instagram, Unfortunately, my Facebook uh, got hacked the last week, so I'm trying to retrieve it. So it's it's either right now, but I'll be teaching through Facebook, uh, through like uh, great people like you who invite uh, me to talk, uh, to to spread the word out. You know, I publish and I do research. I uh, edited 30 books and I'll keep teaching more. And that's what we need to do together. Just keep teaching, teaching, teaching. The outcome is, is the outcome. That's why we, we go transparent. We do our work. We do our science. And whatever comes, let people know about it. There is no shame at all from even coming back and say, sorry, this is the data I had. And this has happened historically a lot. People came up with good data and then said, no, it was not good. But why not? It's better, you know, now than never just to always uh, teach and uh, change your mind. It's fine if you find something different and just keep the integrity, the science and avoid the personal opinions, which are unfortunately very, very harmful. And I think also if you're feeling pain, there is no reason to feel ashamed about that. I know my mom was taking care of my dad when he was sick and she had severe back pain and she just kept pushing it off and pushing it off and finally went in and said, I've got the severe back pain. And they said, actually, this is your hip. You need to do something about Mm -hmm. your hip. But there's still anxiety about that. And I think that it's, it's something that we need to say when this happens, it's okay to be concerned about it, but make sure you're looking at what the options are because you don't necessarily have to be downing opioids every day. Completely. And actually, one more piece of information that's important when you treat pain early on, like if I had pain and in three months I went to seek help, the chances of recovery are way higher than if you wait three years because it's, uh, the mm. brain start actually the anxiety and the brain start actually making some changes that becomes what we call a central pain where it becomes much harder to treat. So actually early intervention have shown by science 
to improve the outcomes on the long term. Yeah, Interesting. So. so you heard it here. If you're feeling pain, take care of it now. I do think that you can become just, it becomes a part of your life. And then it is very hard to ever get over that. Yes. If you have pain, if you have psychic problem, if you have any problem, please go seek help and don't let it uh, get you. Well, thank you so much. We are definitely going to have you back when you have some of, I know you said in two weeks, you'll have that data. And that to me is incredibly important because I do think, I mean, I'm one of them that I see these things where people have blood clots and I'm like, I'm just waiting for what's going to happen to me. You know, I'm always nervous about it. So I, I love the idea that you are looking at this so that we can have some clarity. And, and if, let me ask you this, cause I'm, like I said, I am worried about this. If there were something that said people are at a higher likelihood of having blood clots if they've had the vaccine, then is there some way of monitoring that so it's not some shocking, horrific event? Absolutely. So we need to, again, find the data first. And again, we will talk about what we find. If we find there is no relation, there is no relation. If there is a relation, there is a relation. We just need to look what's going on and then uh, take the uh, corrective, appropriate measures uh, at least, you know, through our, through our education, if we can, through reaching to our politicians to just uh, have, you know, more uh, science and politics working together on for the good of people. Yeah, let's come together and start talking about this stuff. So it's not so dramatic. That sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah thank you. And thanks for having me again. And thanks for doing what you do. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Ala Abd Al-Sayed. I hope yeah. I'm saying that correctly. Perfect. Again. Um, we want to make sure that people are able to find you. So um, Dr. Ala Abd Al-Sayed. He is at he is the medical director at University of Wisconsin Pain Clinic. Make sure you check him out. He's giving you great information all the time, putting it out there so that people don't have to they can seek help and then they can figure out what their problem is and find somebody that can help them one on one. So I appreciate everything you do. I'm so glad we met because I, I just loved this conversation. I think that you said so many important things for so many people. So thank you for being here. No, thank you. And thanks for having me. And again, I enjoyed our discussion too. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's very important and very impactful. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. As always, for this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you join us the next time. Have an awesome day. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. I'm Hannah Storm and my new podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm chronicles my six decades in professional basketball from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.